Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. It's good to be with you here today on Friday. Yes, it's Friday, I day, a day that I look forward to every week, but I'm not sure why. <laughs> I mean, it just means the end of the work week, but I work all weekend anyway. So what the heck? Oh, it's funny. But for most people, Friday marks the end of the work week and the beginning of fun. And it's a good thing because today we actually are sitting, well, it's already happened. The moon just moved into the sign of Leo, out of the sign of Cancer. So for those of you for the last few days who've been having surfing the emotional waves of, of Cancer, today you go into the more fun and celebratory energies of Leo. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Um, mainly today, though, I wanted to really take a look at the gates 63 and 64 in your human design and talk about doubt and confusion, right? Doubt and confusion. Those are, of course, the lower energies in those two gates, but they are the reason why we don't make decisions from the head, why our minds are a tool for awareness, but not for decision making. Can't do it from decision from you can't make a good decision from doubt and confusion, can you? And from always wondering like why or what or how, right? So we're going to talk about that and how to make good decisions will be a part of that discussion as well. Um, but first, you know, I want all of you to just know that this is a time uh, where we're at the the beginning of the end right? We're at the, the beginning of the end of Pluto's transit through uh, the sign of Capricorn. We're at the beginning of the end of Saturn's transit through Aquarius. And in that, I found that there are so many dreams that are coming up, so many intuitive hits and almost like psychic sensitivity that is just ramping up for me personally, but I would bet everybody else is experiencing it as well out there. So I want to share a dream that I had this morning and my interpretation. Now, of course, all things are up to our own interpretation, right? You, you know, when I share this dream, my symbols are likely not going to be the same symbols that you have. It just doesn't work that way, right? We all have different symbologies in our dreams. So what might mean something for you, it doesn't mean the same thing for me. But we are all intelligent enough to understand, hopefully are conscious enough to understand, or knowing ourselves enough to be able to understand what our own symbols are. So here's the dream. I was walking on a trail, my family and I, actually, there was quite a few of us on this trail, and the trail cut along a body of water. I'm pretty sure the body of water wasn't the ocean because it was placid, right? There weren't a whole lot of waves. There, there were ripples on the water, but not waves. So it wasn't the ocean. And on the other, so the trail was, you know, wide enough to walk down. And next to the other, on the other side of the trail was uh, like scrub brush, right? Uh, there were some trees, not like Pacific Northwest trees, um, but trees and scrub, right? Scrub, low bushes and tumbleweed looking things on the side. And uh, we had all moved off to the side of the, the trail closest to the water. And we were kind of looking back at the people that were coming up the trail behind us. But the people coming up behind us were who were so interesting because there were five people and they were all Gandalfs, right? They were all Gandalf, wizard from uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And Gandalf, uh, they were spaced evenly apart, right? Like perfectly spaced and walking. And one of them had a snake. And I was, of course, drawn by the snake. So I draw, I walk up to the snake. The snake itself was cream color with gray stripes. I've never seen a snake like it. So I was a little bit put off. I wasn't sure, is this going to be a deadly snake? Is this going to be a good snake? I don't know. So I won't touch, right? I'll just observe. And uh, then the dream kind of goes on. Just, you know, we're walking through and, you know, just that's it, right? But I woke up at that point in time. And I said, what is that dream all about, right? What is that dream about? So I started to go back to sleep and I realized, oh my gosh, I know what this dream was all about. To me, they were wizards, 
right? The, they're wizards. And wizards bring, besides magic, wisdom, W-I-Z-D-O-M, wisdom, my own new word, wisdom. And with that is alchemy, right? Alchemy, wisdom, wizardry, or wizards. And I recognized immediately upon waking that these were the planets. There are five planets all in a row. And I had to get up this morning and check this out myself. If you look at this, they are all in sextile to one another. Pluto in sextile to Saturn, in sextile to Neptune, and then, or semi-sextile, I'm sorry, not sextile, semi-sextile, one sign after another, evenly spaced 30 degrees apart. Now, Jupiter and Chiron come next. They're not quite at the same degree, so they kind of break the sextile or the semi-sextile, but they're still in the next sign over, and Jupiter is walking with Chiron, often represented by the snake, and that was the tell, right? The snake was the tell. And then finally Uranus in uh, Taurus. So all of the outer planets or the planets that we think of as transpersonal or collective are all in this semi-sextile sort of formation. And even if, you know, like the, the, the planet Neptune kind of is the end of the semi-sextiles because Jupiter and Chiron aren't close enough to the latter degrees to be a part of that, nor is um, Uranus far enough into the sign of uh, Taurus for that. But they're all in signs that are connected by what we would call a semi-sextile. So uh, I know one time we talked about this because this was a pattern that we saw going into 2021 last year. And we also have seen it, or not 2021, 2022, um, and that was a pattern that we talked about. So we talked about what semi-sextiles were. But to just remind you, a semi-sextile is a 30-degree relationship between the planets. And it happens when we have consecutive signs. So for example, the sign of Capricorn that Pluto is currently at the last degree of is leading us to Aquarius, and Saturn is sitting at the 29th degree of Aquarius right now. And then we go to Pisces, so we're going in order. And that 30 degree change between each sign becomes a building block for the other major transits or major aspects between planets. So it's 30 degrees is the building block of the sextile, right? It's the building block of the square. It's the building block of the trine. It's the building block of the quincunx or the inconjunct. Now, certainly there are other there are other degrees of the the chart that are not based on thirty. Uh, but the, it was so fascinating to me. And when we have signs that are neighborly, right? They're neighborly, but they don't know each other very well, right? So Capricorn is an Earth sign. The quality of um, uh, of cardinal, right, initiating. And then we move over to Aquarius, the very next sign, which is air and is fixed, fixed air. So they, they don't have the same element and they don't have the same um, modality between them. And then if we go from Aquarius to Pisces, we go from air to water and we go to mutable. So none of these neighboring signs, you know, they're neighbors, right? I, I know my neighbor, I, I see my neighbor, but I don't really know my neighbor. I mean, that's some people do know their neighbors, but do we ever really know our neighbors? That's another question for another day. And so they have to work harder to get together to understand one another, right? They actually have to have a conversation. They have to trade information. So what I wrote up at the top was they have to cooperate. Cooperation is necessary. And... <clears throat> In that whole parade of planets or wizards in my dream, there was this thought about how it is that they're all very different, but they're all the same. It was the weirdest thing, right? They're all very different, but they're all the same. They're all moving us forward in our evolution of consciousness. So I just... And the, the, it was so interesting to wake up and go, I know exactly what this dream means, right? Walking this path of cooperation. 
And then that brings me to something else. On uh, Wednesday, if you missed the show on Wednesday, Tam and I talked about all the fun stuff coming up for March. And of course, that is on YouTube right now. You can get that there or you could go to my website and get the, the video. It's also, you know, translated into podcasts. So it's on Spotify and Google Podcasts and uh, iHeart and all of those places. So my broadcasts are out there. And uh, the whole idea that we were talking about that day was that the month of March began with a conjunction of Venus and Jupiter. And if you looked at this chart closely, you could see there was Jupiter, Venus, and Chiron, and they're all kind of conjunct with one another. The snake representing Chiron was just kind of, woo, there it goes, right? But I came across that same day, I came across a, a webinar that's coming up, and I'm going to share it with you. I, I copied and pasted. Yep, I did. Okay, good. So I'm going to share that on the um, chat forum, and then I'll put it up on the screen as soon as it lets me uh, show it, right? There's the the uh, link for a webinar coming up called Radical Optimism. It's a conversation between uh, what this woman named Patricia Albert, A-L-B-E-R-E, and I heard about it from Johann Carl Kalaman who is the one who's written all the books on the Mayan calendar and the evolution of consciousness and how the Mayan calendar shows us the evolution of consciousness across, you know, the very beginning of, of the universe, not, not just the earth, but the beginning of the solar system all the way up through where we are today. And, uh, uh, so I've already signed up for that. So I wanted to share that with you all this morning. Hopefully you can get that link. I'll also post it under the video on YouTube so that you can catch it there as well. It's free. And the webinar is on March 23rd, which is the day that Pluto moves into Aquarius. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> it's got it. I don't know if they know astrology enough to have uh, actually, you know, made that a, a choice, right, to put it on that day or not. But if they didn't, how amazing, right? I just love how the universe works its magic in those kind of ways. Uh, so I'll also put it on the Facebook page. So for those of you who are listening on Facebook, uh, I'll post that up uh, a little bit later here today as well. <laughs> so my day, wow, started off kind of crazy, right? Uh, anyway, so I'll leave that up on the screen for now and go to talking about where the moon is. So I said something earlier in the broadcast about how some of you who've been feeling all of the emotional turmoil, the ups and downs of uh, the moon's transit through cancer, you can clap your hands because now the moon is in Leo and Leo brings us uh, this different energy, right? If Leo and Cancer are side-by-side -side signs. So while Cancer is cardinal water, and they then Leo is fixed fire, they don't see eye to eye on everything, but they're, they're there, right? They're neighbors. So we move from the emotions, the, um, the more internalized energy of, uh, the Cancer moon to the more playful, outgoing, and uh, more exuberant energies of the moon in Leo. So this is uh, a Leo weekend, the whole weekend, literally up until 7.30 p.m. my time, Sunday night. We don't change to Virgo until then. So if you think about this whole weekend then, even beginning today, it's all about the play. It's all about the fun. It's all about the celebrations, right? And funny thing, it's about the games, right? Play. I wrote down here, fun, games, play. And what are we doing as a family tonight? We're all meeting for fun and food and games. It's Friday game night, right? Uh, the rest of the family, they're all going to a concert tomorrow night. And so they that's we're gathering ahead of time. Uh, for the others, they'll go to the concert on Saturday. But for tonight, we're all there to eat dinner and play games with one another, celebrating, you're right, just celebrating life, celebrating fun, having that childlike enthusiasm for life in general, right? And along with that enthusiasm comes that childlike curiosity, right? That part of us that wants to go, well, what would it be like if right? If I'm pretending as a, as a child, I'm actually acting more in my Leo self, 
right? Leo rules the child, the inner child. So let your inner child out this weekend. <laughs> it wants to come out and play. This is also a weekend for self-expression. Leo rules self-expression or the expression of individualism, right? It's you as the individual. It's you expressing your passion, whether it's for play, whether it's for work, whether it's for art, whether it's for dance, doesn't really matter. Whatever it is that your passion is, it is the weekend to express that. And in that, sometimes we love to be able to do that and give that uh, that love, that passion to an audience, right? Leo loves an audience. They're the drama queens and kings, right? They love the audience and they feed on the energy. So we're feeding ourselves when we share our gifts and our talents and our art and our expression, our love with other people. It feeds us, but then we're also feeding others with that. And of course, it also triggers creative ambition. So we may feel extraordinarily creative this weekend. You know, it's the sun that rules Leo. And it's the moon that moves rules cancer. So we have the moon's emotions and the inner work that lead us to the outer expression in Leo and to the fullness of our ego selves, right? The positive expression of our ego selves. And as well, of course, Leo is the sign of love and romance. Even though it's not ruled by Venus, love and romance comes into play here. It's really the romantic nature of love, the way that we connect with one another. And it's the, the attention that we give one another in a relationship. Um, it is where we we make one another the center of our universe kind of thing. Uh, and we, we crave that kind of attention. And we also long to give that kind of attention to someone. There's generosity in the sign of Leo. And so we can do a lot by giving of our time, of our attention, of our gifts to one another during this weekend. There's a real magnanimity here, Man magnanimity, generosity, gifting, giving, exchanging that goes on with the sign of Leo. We do have to watch for some things. We always do, right? We always have to. And the things we need to watch out for is that sense of insufferable self-centeredness, <laughs> right? Being so caught up with ourselves at the center that we fail to see or include others, right? So we want to watch for that. Selfishness maybe pops in there, narcissism, um, arrogance, those pridefulness. These are also Leo working more in the negative rather than the positive. But I can say for sure that if you're living from your heart, you're living from the best Leo place that you can find, right? The best Leo place. <sighs> okay, so let me say good morning to people that are popping in here. Good morning, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. And it's good to have you with us this morning, Tom. Hello there. And by the way, Tom's significant other, Ainsley, is celebrating her birthday tomorrow. So everybody send well wishes and happy birthdays to Ainsley. And uh, good morning to Christine and Michelle Gay. It's good to see you out there. Kajella, hello. Joan Durchy, hello. Andy Girl, hello. Pam Zaruba, hello to you. Terry Strauss, hello and happy Friday back to you. Christine says, cool dream, Janet. Snakes represent healing, transformation, and kundalini life force energy. You know, I was thinking about what did the stripes mean? Because that's what really caught my attention. First, that it was a snake. But second, that the snake had stripes. And, you know, I thought about prison stripes, right? Where maybe the, the snake was really representing imprisoned healing where we haven't really broken out into the way that we could heal ourselves. Not sure about that, but Kundalini life force energy, that's also interesting. Um, Christine says, I mean, Natasha says, good morning, Natasha, by the way, the 23rd of March is your 33rd wedding anniversary. Well, happy anniversary to you. Michelle says, LOL. So that's why I dyed my hair pink and purple. 
Of course, that's why you did it. And everybody's starting to say happy birthday to Ainsley. So if you're listening in the background this morning, Ainsley, happy birthday to you. May it be a spectacular one. If I look at the transits for Saturday, it's actually a very cool day to have a birthday. There isn't much interference going on yet, right? This is this is the sort of calm before the storm. So maybe the year for you shows some calm. Your natal, your moon will also be in Leo for the year. So that really brings you into the center of attention somehow, which you may or may not like. I don't know. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, all right. So I want to take some time this morning to ask you guys how you're doing. Because you know, Tam and I on Wednesday, we shared so much. This month is just crazy. I wrote an article about it. I put it out there in the newsletter because I just want everybody to understand you're not alone in all of the things that are, are happening right now. And even people who have been doing fine and have had great successes are suddenly hitting me up with questions like, why is this happening? Why am I feeling this way? What, you know, they're going from this high diving into this lower um, um, kind of energy wave. So I want to know, how are you guys doing? What is it that's transforming in your lives? What is it that you're kicking and screaming about? <laughs> what are you dreading? What are you looking forward to? So start to do that in the chat. Let me know so, so we can actually have a conversation around some of those things. Um, because interestingly enough, the, the energies of March really begin uh, with the sun and the earth at the gate 63 and the gate 64. So I primarily want to talk about that, but I also still, I want to know what is going on with everybody. Just a few words even and uh, that kind of thing. So hold on, I want to share my screen if I can do this right, just a minute. Um, so that everybody can see, share screen, there we go. And I need to open up a tab, oh, never mind. I need to open it up first. So hold on, just hold the phone. Uh, it's gonna be in downloads, hold on. No, I don't need that. Because I wanted to really show you what was going on. There we go, now I can share my screen um, <clears throat> with the head centers because that's a bigger conversation and worthwhile to look at. There we go. Boom. All right, now you guys should be seeing my screen, right? Uh, so what you're looking at is the gates that the sun and the earth will be at. The sun will be at the gate 63. They are there now. It's there now. And the earth will be at the gate 64. Um, the sun at the gate 63, if we look at this through the gene keys, which I love to look at this through the gene keys, we see in the lower energy here that it's the energy of doubt. In uh, human design, traditional human design, this was called the gate of doubt. In um, quantum human design, we now call this the gate of curiosity, right? We're positifying these gates. We're up-leveling them, right? We're taking it from what, you know, is the lower expression of the energy in that gate and putting it into its higher expression, which would be curiosity. In the gene keys, the uh, the gift is inquiry. So you can see that curiosity, inquiry, kind of related. In the highest expression in the gene keys, this is called the gate or the gene key of truth. The Siddhi is about truth. So we're on a path from doubt to truth through inquiry right, through asking questions. And the question here in this gate, the gate 63 is about what, what? Now, how did doubt and suspicion get to be part of this gate, right? And there isn't anything wrong with doubt and suspicion, right? There isn't if it's not turned inward, right? But the problem becomes when we turn it inward at ourselves, right? We become suspicious, uh, of, of something we're hearing, or we become doubtful in ourselves, we feel inadequate. So doubt and suspicion here in the negative lead us to the feelings of inadequacy, right? It's not necessarily the gate of inadequacy, but in our head, we begin to feel or think inadequately. We begin to think doubtfully, 
And because this center, the head center, is a pressure center, there are two pressure centers. One is the head and the other one is the root center. And the pressure here in the head is for answers, right? We feel the pressure for truth and truth and, and, and um, the pressure to get the answers are kind of clouded at times through doubt and suspicion, right? And, you know, think about how, how much of the truth we've been seeking in the course of the last few years, right? Where fake news and, and not knowing what the truth was. And it all depended on where you got your news as to what your truth was, right? Because somebody who listens to conspiracy theories, they're gonna get their, their truth because it's legitimately their truth is coming from those channels, right? Coming from that, that belief system. Other people who were more mainstream were getting their news from more mainstream places and that's their truth. So the question of truth became huge. Who has the truth? right? Well, I would say we all do, right? It's your truth the way that you see it. And the pressure, though, is to find the answers. And do we find the answers ever in the head? No, we don't find the answers in the head, or at least not the answers that are going to help us to make decisions, because it's a pressure center. Now, let's look at the other things that the 63 takes into consideration. First of all, the right eye. So your right eye is the gate 63. Um, the left brain is gate 63. It's kind of the gateway to logic, right? It kind of births logic here. And the question is for us this week, what are we learning? What are we learning with the sun placed in this position? And the biggest lesson that I think we can learn here is to not let doubt or suspicion jack your curiosity. Don't let it take away from more and more discovery, looking at all the places for answers, being curious enough to pull, like I always say, pulling threads, right? Pulling threads, where are we going? What are we doing? What more information is out there? So don't let that kind of doubt and suspicion and don't let it turn inward, especially on yourself. Um, don't let it jack your curiosity, right? Keep your mind open open to exploration, open to asking questions, but don't feel pressured to get the answers to those questions, right? Now in the shadow, it's about doubting yourself and then struggling for certainty. You know, these gates all lead to the Ajna, which is the second center here. And the Ajna wants certainty. It takes truth and makes a belief system out of it. It takes its own idea of what truth is and makes a belief system out of it. So those of you who have defined Ajnas, and if you had a defined Ajna, this will be green. You've created a belief system that's based on what you believe are truths. Now, they may or may not be real truths, but to you, they're your truths, right? So that is where the initial energy of this doubt and suspicion is trying to lead us to certainty the certainty that we know for sure but there's never certainty it's kind of a myth the myth of certainty right <laughs> um and here in this this struggle we may get caught up and stuck in those beliefs right in the way that we think the world works in the way that we think you know information is given to us that's true or that information that's given to us by another source is false so our questions around truth um, are based or predicated upon the amount of curiosity you bring to the subject, but then also the struggle to bring it into certainty. And instead, let's go into the mastery of this. Let's, what's the highest expression of this gate 63? And it, with the sun here, and that is about letting your dreams, your ideas, your inspiration trigger your curiosity. Let those questions lead you to go and find more information. I wonder if, I wonder what would happen if, right? The I wonders. This gate can also be um, talked about as a, a discernment, right? Needing to find discernment, discerning being discerning, right? Not being so 
narrow-minded that it's only your idea that can be true, right? That the proofs and, you know, people, there are proofs that are given for the uh, controversial things that are out there, the conspiracy theories, they think they have proof. Just like the people that are touting things in the mainstream media, they have proof too, they think, right? <laughs> the truth is going to be subjective. It's going to be, there. Uh, is there an objective truth? I don't know. It has to come from your own discernment, discerning what's true, what's right, what's correct for you. And all of that leads us to possibilities, right? The key here, the whole struggle, the looking for truth, the look, the inquiry, the, the, the trying to find and discover is all about possibility thinking, right? Being in the possibilities. All right, now let's look at the gate 64. This is where the earth is. So here's where the challenge is. Like earth just lays down, the energies of the earth lay down the gauntlet for our experience of the week. And, you know, the highest thing that we're leading to is possibilities, right? That's what the 63's highest expression was. Truth, possibilities, inquiry, um, questioning what more is possible. But the 64 has to be dealt with first. And the 64 is all about confusion. In the lower expression of the gene keys, the shadow expression, it is confusion. In traditional human design, it is called the gate of confusion. And in quantum human design, it's now called divine transference. Divine transference. And so, hmm, I had to think about that one. The, um, the gift in, hum in the gene keys is imagination. And the highest expression is illumination. Turn the lights on, right? Woo! With the light, we can really see. We can really see. So I think divine transference in quantum human design is about how when we can stay out of confusion, we can recognize confusion as not the need for more thinking, but rather more allowing that epiphany or revelation to happen. The 64 connects down here with the 47, which is sometimes called the gate of ahas or breakthroughs or epiphanies, revelation. It's actually called the gate of mindset. But if your mind is set in a specific way and you're only slanted towards seeing things in a specific way, uh, then it's very difficult for confusion to get settled. So you have to recognize that the mind has to be, you, know, you have to relax that mind so that the aha moment, the epiphany, the revelation can happen. The inspiration can happen, right? That's the, that's what this one is leading us to is that inspiration. Now uh, there's inspiration, but also pressure. And the pressure here is about how, how do I do it? How do I figure this out? It struggles to explain what it sees or what it's intuiting because it's all jumbled, right? It's like divinely uh, being dumped on with some major idea, but then the uh, manual that tells you how to enact it all didn't come, right? That part didn't come. So we get big ideas here in the in the 64 and the big ideas can overwhelm us because we didn't get the manual right somehow we didn't get the list of things to do the how do i get to where i need to go so what we do with that struggle or with that uh confusion is we put our minds to it and we try to think our way we try to figure it out and the more we try to figure it out, the more elusive it becomes. <laughs> so what are we challenged with then? Not to let your big ideas or your big dreams that come in overwhelm you to the point that you shut down, that you got so tired of figuring it out or trying to figure it out that you lose faith in yourself, that you lose faith in the idea. And the, the how of it isn't in your purview. The how of it comes from the universe, comes from source or God, whatever you want to call it. But yet we are feeling the pressure to figure it out. And our job, if you will, this week would be to allow ourselves to, to just hold space for that idea, right? To hold space for it until the next step is made apparent to us. And that can come with a light bulb moment. It can come from a dream. 
it can come from an intuitive hit, it can come from all different directions. But the 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 thing that we are needing to avoid is giving up our dream because of not knowing how it can happen. Right? I don't know how, and that's okay. I don't have to figure it out. I just have to intend that this is what, right? Your job is the what. That's what the sun is telling us. Your job is the what. What do I want? What are my aspirations? What are my hopes? What are my goals? What are my dreams? And holding that dream, that vision, that inspiration long enough for the epiphany or the uh, revelation to occur. In the highest expression, this is receiving the big idea and keep it dreaming and imagining it. And then if it is truly something for you to take action on, the universe will start putting in the pieces. You'll start receiving the next step. And then, of course, the action has to take place, right? That is the action is required, but the action can't take place until the confusion can morph from that into inspiration. So the 64 brings us inspiration to take action. And the 63, by the way, meets up with the gate four, which is called the gate of possibilities. And curiosity needs possibilities, right? Possibilities are created by your curiosity to go out and find more or discover more. All right, so I just stopped sharing my screen. Questions, how's everybody doing out there? Ah, happy breath day. I like that. JLo says, OMG, my other daughter just had a sty on her right eye. Gate 63, right? What isn't she seeing clearly? What is she doing? Doubting herself or doubting, being suspicious of something or not letting her curiosity drive her or is she being overly curious and not really grounded in that and all of that? So we can, you know, you can look at all of that. Uh, Pam says, that makes sense. 64 con Pluto and 47, oh, conscious Pluto and unconscious Mercury. Yep, see, you have planets there. So this is already defined for you. So when, a, when, when you already have definition in those two gates, then this kind of adds to that energy of needing to be open to possibilities and needing to hold on to your dream until you have that epiphany uh, or until all the you know pieces begin to uh, settle in. If you are someone like me, I do not have either of those gates. I have no gates in the head to find. No, none. Um, then this is newer energy for you, right? It's, it's like an injection of energy that prompts you to work through these types of things. So literally, we are shifting out of this doubt energy and in through possibilities. And then we are shifting from confusion to inspiration. And everybody is engaged with that uh, this week. So I wonder if, I wonder how, I what if, all of those kinds of good questions. Um, and Pam says, no manual, right? There's no manual. That's the kind of tricky thing is that, you know, we come to this planet expecting that all, I don't know how we come to expect this, but we do. We just expect the answers are going to be there. That that what we want to do is just going to happen. And then we start to lose faith when it doesn't happen. And here's the other part of all of this. <clears throat> Anything that is even an idea or an inspiration or a goal or an aspiration, an inspiration is the best word here. Not all inspirations are meant for us to take action on. That's the point, right? This is why you have a strategy that goes along with your type. This is why you have inner authority because the head center, I don't know if you noticed in the graphic or not, but it's half above the body and half in the body. And the part of it that's above the body is acting like a receiver, like an antenna, right? So you have antennas up here that are attracting or receiving input from the universe. Now that can come in the form of an idea, a light bulb moment. It can come from inspiration. You see something outside of you and you become inspired. It can come from inner inspiration, right? In meditation or in prayer or in a dream that can happen and you become inspired. But you're bringing it in through that and it comes right into the head. 
and the head center is a pressure center, right? So the minute this all comes in, right, you're immediately feeling, potentially feeling the pressure to do something with that idea or with that possibility, right? And if that's true, and you you sit in the pressure, but it's now running through the gate of confusion, you may not know what to do. Like, how do I do that? It's like a great idea, but how do I do that? When do I do that? Who do I do that with? And where's the manual that's going to tell me how all the steps are that, that I need to take to get there? So there's real confusion with those ideas sometimes that prompt us to go into stress and anxiety thinking because we're trying to figure it out. I got to figure it out, don't I? Right? Think about it. <laughs> Think about it. it. It's so funny because my youngest daughter's, you know, looking for a new job and she's got all of these different things, you know, these different opportunities, different interviews that she's doing and so forth. And she's feeling the pressure to make a decision. And I said, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be pressured to make this decision. You don't have to figure it out. Why? Because in her human design, she has the spleen as her authority. So she has intuition. She's going to know it, recognize it, see it, and, and, and it's going to be there in the moment. She's a generator that she has that offer extended to her. Right, right now, it's all just potential. It's all just possibility, right? We've, we're doing these interviews. We have these ideas. We have these, you know, things that we're being told about these different positions, but no one's made the offer yet. And once you get the offer, right? So once you have the inspiration, once the idea starts to percolate, then using your authority, using your type's strategy will tell you whether it's the right thing for you or not. Up until that point, there's nothing you can do with it because we do not make decisions from the head because it's pressure. And we don't make decisions from the Ajna because it's just awareness. It's just pulling in information and comparing and contrasting and analyzing and critically thinking about. There's no action possible from the head or the Ajna. So when we all are taught to think and then decide, Literally, that is not where you're making the decision from. The decision has to come from below the throat, right? Down below, right? You can have, you can have decision-making capacity in the solar plexus, the emotions. You can have it in the spleen, your intuition or your instinct, your gut. You can have it in the sacral, which is the body wisdom, right? The uh-huh, the yes, the uh-uh, no. You can have it, actually, there is some people that have the authority in the identity center, uh, my son is one of those people that has to just, it, they're just pulled toward it, right? At, like a, a magnet pulls them toward the right things. And some there isn't a root center um, authority because the root center is also a pressure center. And it's the pressure that brings up adrenalized stress. So think about the people who have a defined head and a defined root. They're always under pressure and then those of you who have the the head and the root open you are amplifying the pressure to do and to think right to think and to do so you've got to remember your type your strategy and your authority and nowhere ever did it say that your mind is the way to make a decision it just does the work of helping you decide in the mind what you might want to focus on or it brings you inspiration helps you draw in the facts and the figures and the necessary info but it isn't where you make the final decision from but you will sure feel pressured to do it from there all right questions i see no questions out there so that must mean all of you are doing perfectly perfect in your lives there isn't any trouble going on you don't feel any pressure you're not feeling um stress or dealing with any problems or challenges uh or i also want to hear you know what your absolute triumphs are right now because that's a possibility too as saturn is getting ready to deposit that final gift as he's leaving Aquarius, what's the final aha, the aha moment that you might be receiving from that transit? 
Um, so I want to know. Now, reminder, uh, the link that you might be seeing in the screen here is, and it's also in the um, the chat, is the link to a webinar uh, from the Evolutionary Collective called Radical Optimism, right? Radical Optimism. I love that. I just love that because it's going to take radical optimism for us to get through these next several months and maybe even the next several years. Radical optimism. So it's free, right? It's a free webinar and you don't even have to attend it live. Right. She'll send you the recording. If you register for it, you'll you'll receive the recording. You can listen to it at your leisure. Right. On some weekend during Leo. Well, <laughs> Leo, it'll be before the webinar. But at any rate, you can listen to it at your leisure. So definitely go there and sign up for that, because I think we all need to understand what does optimism mean? Uh, Tom, I can't find a green anything on my astro design chart. Probably because you have an open Ajna then. <laughs> the Ajna would be green if it's defined. But if you have an open head and open Ajna, it would be white. So it wouldn't be green. Uh, fireflies, 84, loads of anxiety. I want to know more about that because that's definitely happening. Um, J-Lo, face blue, smiling face, red, droopy eyes. Okay. I don't know what that means but tell me. And Natasha, noticing that people are wanting me to be seen, but in their way, not in the way that I meant to be. So I'm defining that choice and those boundaries. That is super good. That is so wise, right? You, you, you're a whiz. <laughs> wisdom, your own wisdom. But I'm spelling wisdom this way now. Uh, W-I-Z-D-O-M. Wisdom. The whiz the wizard that you are, right? The wise woman that you are using your own knowledge for your own way of being out in the world. Yet we also have to be able to bring to the table things that other people want. I struggle with this too, Natasha, because I know what I like to know about but is that what you all like to know about? So I ask questions like I just did because, well, what do you want to know about? What are you struggling with? I mean, I'm literally a transformer. I'm here to transform your life toward your own life purpose, your own authenticity, your own authority. And that is usually being interfered with in some way in your life, whether it's coming from your own head and your own thoughts about yourself, being inadequate, not being good enough, not having the skills, um, you know, maybe even more linear thinking, like I don't have the money, I have to do all these things to make money so I don't have time to do the things I love. Um, there are all these different things that go on. And, you know, my job here is to tell you how to get, how to get back in alignment with your true self right? That, that's what, that is the truth about what I do, right? what I want to do, keep doing. So I'm asking that question because there is so much potential right now for us to get into that anxiety. Anxiety comes from a lot of the different centers in your human design fireflies. And I don't know what your true name is. I kind of recognize your picture, but I'm not sure. Uh, and I don't want to be wrong. So, um, Think about if, you know, getting, if you haven't already gotten your own human design chart, you know, get that chart because there's anxiety in the everywhere. The head center, like we were talking about this morning, is the pressure, the pressure to take ideas and do something with them or the pressure to answer the questions, how, why, what, right? Those become pressures and it gets pressurized in the head. And if we don't have the outlet to get it into other places in the body. If we don't know how to take that pressure, what, what does that pressure mean? It can turn into anxiety. In the Ajna, the second center down, that center, its pressure is about certainty and truth. It wants to know for sure that this is the right thing to do. It wants to know for sure that my life purpose is this and that every step I take, I'm, I'm doing that right, I'm doing it correctly. So the Ajna's pressure, I mean, the, the head's pressure leads to the Ajna trying to figure it all out and not doing such a good job of it sometimes, right? And then trying to make decisions from the confusion or from the um, wonder and awe of it all or from the uh, doubt, 
right? So we can't make decisions from that point. Then there's pressure sometimes in the throat. The pressure in the throat isn't from it being a pressure center because it's not, it's a gearbox. But the, the gearbox's purpose is to manifest, right? To bring to life our ideas. So we can have anxiety in the throat that can cause us to say too much. It can cause us to say it to start talking when nobody's listening. And then it starts to shut us down because we feel undervalued, unseen, unheard, unvalued, or, you know, not, not being heard, not being seen. So one of two things happens there with anxiety. We either become overly chatty and we, we just break into conversations. We're so excited to get heard by somebody that we jump the gun. We interrupt, right? or on the other side of the coin, that we just shut it down. We just don't do. We just don't take the ideas and run with them. Again, creating anxiety within us, perhaps. The identity center has a lot of potential for anxiety, particularly if you have it open, because you don't have a sense of who, of direction of who you really are. That's often guided by your geography, where you are, where your environment is. Uh, where you are, who you are in that environment. And then, of course, the ego or heart center, the will center, big source of anxiety because it's about doing. We want to force things to happen there. And if we're forcing and pushing against the wrong timing against or trying to force ourselves in the wrong opportunity uh, with the wrong people, then it becomes a place of anxiety right, where we actually can get heart palpitations, where we can actually raise our blood pressure, uh, where we can actually over time lead that into heart attacks and strokes and, and you know, those kinds of, of more negative expressions of uh, health in that, in that center in particular. The emotional center is also, it's a motor, so it has the ability to, to uh, has decision-making capability. Its decision capability is really about feelings and moods, right? And since those are kind of high and low and all points in between, it requires time, time for clarity. So the anxiety of the solar plexus can be about that timing. Again, having to wait, first of all, to make the decision, and then possibly not ever feeling 100% like this is the right answer or this is the right thing to do because the solar plexus doesn't ever have 100%. What you can do with the solar plexus though is align towards your heart, right? What's right for me? What feels good to me? You know, what is what is correct for me? What makes me happy? What makes me feel good? And choose from that place. But you're never going to have 100% certainty in the emotional center. It just doesn't happen, right? You're never going to be there's always going to be that niggle, right? Because, of course, the wave continues. It doesn't just stay high. <laughs> it doesn't stay low. It kind of keeps moving. All right. So then the sacral, of course, is the can have anxiety, but it's about doing. What do I do? What action do I take? Where do I go? Who do I do it with? When do I do it? All of that in the sacral. The root center, pressure center also can create anxiety. The anxiety of a to-do list that is yay long with only so many hours. You have this much time and you have this much stuff to get done. You can't even see my hands here. And right, not having that uh, ability to cope with stress, right? So the stress itself becomes the anxiety. And of course, the spleen can also bring us anxiety. Right. It's anxiety is about whether I trust my intuition, my gut knowing, uh, you know, I'm worried about my health or I'm worried about other people's health. I'm I'm worried about time. Right. Time becomes a pressure that becomes an anxiety there. So JLo, I'm waiting on my daughter now. Another student just hit her. Oh, geez. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to be calm and collected. But Mama Bear wants to whoop some butts. I gotcha. I. I've been there, <laughs> been there, done this. Um, Amy D says, hang in there, JLo, if you didn't see that. Tom, red, black, white, black, and red, black, and white. Okay, I don't know what that means. 
um, you're going to have to text me or something and tell me more about what you're talking about. Natasha says, yes, I agree. Trying to find the balance. And that's the trick in its balance in this new. Yeah, balance is hard. Um, but balance is also tricky because it never stays balanced, right? There's always going to be pressure that starts to move the teeter-totter down or the other side up, right? So it's a process, right? We can come into balance and just then somebody says or does something that throws the balance the other way. So balance is kind of what we want is sort of a neutral zone, right? This neutral zone. <laughs> we don't want the big highs and the big lows, but if we have a neutral zone, through which we can kind of stay this way, but we'll never come into that purely static balance. Just doesn't happen. Fireflies, everyone around me has their own things going on and me trying to be helpful, but also overwhelmed with responsibility. Is it your responsibility? Are you, are you overwhelmed with trying to take on responsibility for everyone else? Or are you overwhelmed by the things that you truly are responsible for? Because it sounds like, you might be trying to help people that don't need your help, right? Or they haven't asked for your help. I mean, it's hard to say exactly. And of course, I don't know your human design. The best wisdom wisdom that I can give you today, go to my website at living-astrology.com and get your own chart if you haven't done so already. You can get astrology and human design on my website. Uh, Amy D, I just can't ever be sure what it is I want, thinking I just don't trust myself. And that is the negative aspect of the head centers, right? That those gates there can cause us to doubt ourselves, not trust ourselves. Um, and I, Amy, I know I, I've worked with you before and I cannot remember what your human design is, but you've got to trust whatever it is that your authority is, right? And your strategy for your type. Um, because that's going to lead you. And again, if that's emotional, you may never have 100% um, um, uh, trust. It's just, you just have to go with, yep, you know, 98% is good enough. I'm going that way. <laughs> uh, and you're welcome, Fireflies. Um, Natasha says, I am in line, I'm lining myself more with the intention of my gate 55. And you might want to share what that intention is. Of course, 55 is all about in the higher expressions, freedom from victimization, right? Freedom from being the victim, freedom to choose. Amy D, I just remembered that your um, your soul's gift is, is uh, seven, divine power, divine power. So divine power is your free will to choose. That's your free will, choose. Just make a choice. And if it's not the right choice, you'll know because you'll start to feel obligated or burdened by it. Then you change, right? That's that's the key for you is always choosing. You always have the freedom to choose yet again. Corey says, I've had heart palpitations for 20 years now. Now, barring that there's any physical reason for that, right? There may be a physical defect in the heart or some reason, you know, anatomically why that's happening for you. But barring that, it's likely from anxiety, right? Anxiety. And how are you fielding energies that are coming through? Are you trying to figure things out all the time? Are you always anxious about, am I doing this right? Is this the right time? Are these the right people? Because anxiety is usually the driver behind that if there's not the physical thing going on. Justice for all. Uh, my husband just resolved to go on a long-term disability. He had a stroke in June. Oh my Lord, I'm so sorry. Hopefully he's going to get back. We both are trying to heal, right? That That's, you know, something that is worthwhile to take your time with. Uh, you know, I have a, an, a sister that had a stroke and then just had to have brain surgery this last week from an aneurysm that I don't know if that was be part of the stroke. I, I don't know how all of that works, but she was so anxious about that surgery and yet it went off without a hitch. And so you just have to do the work, right? To come back from those things and be there for one another and love one another through it. So if there's anything, you know, we're just going to send you tons of healing energy for you and your husband. Um, J-Lo, oh wow, at Corey, I also had it before and for over a year, uh, it's been too low, heart rate too low. Um, so 
you know, I, I had an issue in my life where I was under a ton of stress when I was working at J-O-B. I was the manager of an optical um, store and they sold, the company sold the store to a different company and it went from, getting glasses went from, you know, three to five days to four to six weeks. Now, imagine customers coming in every day, hot as you know what, because their glasses weren't in and us never being able to get answers about why is it taking so long? Where are their glasses and when can we expect them? No one had those answers for us. And it was very, very frustrating. And when you feel powerless, that takes a big toll on your body. And that can also then play into anxiety and worry and end up actually becoming that physical sensation of the heart palpitating uh, because it's preparing to do something. It's going into fight, flight, or freeze, right? That's kind of an indication that your body is under stress. That likely is being part perpetrated, perpetrated by the mind. So you can think about that too. Uh, Amy D says, yes, emotional authority, right? Emotional authority, you're never going to be 100%. It's just not going to happen. So the most you can do is go, okay, I've taken the temperature over this time, and the temperature lands on the yes even though there was this one moment in time that I had some doubt about whether that was the right thing for me to do or not. But if overall the temperature led you to yes, then that's the correct answer for you. All right. But in your case, because you also have divine power as your soul's gift, then you are free to choose and must choose to address the things that don't feel good in the moment at when it starts cropping up. Then you have to go into, okay, what choice can I make that I'm going to, that is going to satisfy me? And anyway, Tom, 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 Tom. Uh, okay, so those two are talking. That's not you guys asking questions. A card for the weekend. Let's do that since it's already 9.01. Um, let's pull. I'm going to pull a Mayan card. forgot I had that deck. Um, by the way, Colette Baron reed has a new deck coming out in the next couple of days. Uh, I think it's the 14th of March. Um, and it is a beautiful deck. I just cannot remember the name of it. <laughs> Debbie, you're out there. Help me. What's the name of the new deck that's coming out? Uh, there, It's beautiful artwork on the cards. So this is going to be a card for us for the weekend. And... It is Monique. Ah, my own birth sign, Monique. And Monique is, well, look at the card. You can see it's a stylized picture of a hand, right? You can see the thumb here and the fingers here holding on to something here. And I'm not sure what that is. That almost looks like a ring. Um, let's see what Monique means for us. Monique, Monique. By the way, I've had this beautiful deer hanging out in my yard. It's given me such joy. And uh, one of the, the animal signs for Monique is also the deer. The deer, the deer. Here we go, Monique. And the common Mayan usage is grasp, right? Grasping and deer. And the qualities are completion. It's a gateway, an opening, a beauty, identification, dance, mudras, divination, acting as if. I love that pretending and uh, spiritual tools, the priest or the priestess and the number that is equated with this is the seven mystic power. The color is magnetic blue. And let's go on down to the shadow wisdom here is issues of completing things, taking on too much, feeling inadequate, pressured or scattered. How funny. That's perfect, isn't it? Issues of acquiring tools thinking the tool has the power. Hmm. The shadow transformation says, become aware of your resistances and distractions. Learn to finish what you start, taking satisfaction in each step along the way. Use commitment, focused intention, and openness to help you complete. Experience yourself as a tool of the light. I love that. The harmonic wisdom is resolution. And... The affirmation is, I complete, I open, I am one with the light. Now, 
each one of these has a longer version. So I'm going to stay on air. I don't have my first client till 11, so I have time for production after this. So I'm going to stay on air long enough to read this if you want to stick with me to hear the whole of this. And it's called The Discoverer. Come bathe in the magical waters of ecstasy. A mysterious wave and opening approaches. Will you ride the wave? Funny, we've been talking about all of this this morning. Monique offers you a gateway. Will you step through? Open to this opportunity. Examine what asks for completion in your life. Within completion, there is a natural flow toward the new. Be like water. With fluidity, move through the gateway that opens for you. Flow with the go. Monique is there awaiting you. In receiving Monique, you would be served by looking at how you identify yourself with your belief systems, definitions, roles, ideals, and dreams. Note what these identifications draw into your life. As you open to growth, set aside your usual framework and respond differently. Shifting perspectives creates new openings. Watch for the completions and new gateways being presented to you now. Monique is associated with opening to receive spiritual tools. You have specific gifts and talents to claim. Through these tools, you are offered a way to interact with others and with your life process. Open fully. A feast of gifts and tools is spread before you to satisfy your spiritual hunger to serve. With Monique, spirit steps in to set the stage for an initiation, a rite of passage. Watch for the emergence of this initiatory gate. Are you feeling distracted, bored, or experiencing resistance to growth? Bring awareness to any dilemma or apparent obstacle in your life. An unusual access is being offered to unlock your potentials, gifts, and tools. Enter into the emerging doorway, gateway. Sharing wisdom. No, shadow wisdom. In the shadow of Monique can be found a difficulty in finishing things or the tendency to procrastinate. Completing something is difficult if you feel inadequate or displeased with the possible income outcome of your efforts, critical of their perfection. In Monique, there is a shadow of taking on too much, of being too pressured, scattered, and overwhelmed. Be willing to look at what is incomplete. Completion becomes easier when you allow yourself to be excited and satisfied with the steps along the way. Remember that incompletion leaves a residue that occludes clarity and staunches the natural flow of abundance. If you are experiencing lack, consider completing your unfinished agreements so that more abundance can flow back into you, completing the natural circuit that is made by honored agreements. Are you over-identified with or attached to tools such as books, crystals, astrology charts, and tarot decks? In the shadow, you may think the tool rather than your own divine connection has the power. If you grasp a tool too tightly, your vision can become limited. Be open and fluid. As you open in new ways to the tools of your divine purpose, learn the qualities of water, gently flowing and dancing rather than resisting and struggling. And remember, you are the tool, the gateway of the light. Become the embodiment of your natural magnificence. Whoa. There we go. Manique, the hand that carries the tools, right? But you being the tool of delivery. <laughs> All right. It's a perfect card. It's perfect. Perfect in every way. All right, you all. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been fun talking to you. Don't forget, take this link and schedule yourself for the Radical Optimism Workshop, webinar, whatever. And have a great weekend. Enjoy, celebrate, play, love, romance, all that. And I'll see you on Monday. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for astrology, human design, and Gene Keys wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.